Louise Karch is a consultant and speaker who provides branding and marketing advice to professionals for business growth. At one time, a faculty member of the University of California with a master's degree in adult education. She also has a background as a comic and an outward bound instructor and business owner. Luis provides branding, beautiful, simple business growth strategies for her clients. She's also won four national adult figure skating championships. She was a team member for Vancouver Olympic Committee and artistic director for the World Transplant Games. And she also produced Jimmy Hawking's play, Suffering Victim. Please help me give a warm welcome to Luis Karch. Luis, thank you for taking the time to, to be on the show. Of course, Kendall, you're the man. Absolutely, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And I know that you and I, we've talked like back and forth and kind of just uh, just interacted a little bit and got familiar. I came to the um, one of your talks that was absolutely amazing, I had a, a great time and just learned, um, learned a lot about um, just people that you've worked with, um, the, the process of even marketing your book and just how your approach was just so open. So I want to get out to as many people as possible. I'll get in front of as many people as possible. So relationships start with one question. What is your name and how did you come up essentially how did you come up with the name Word Glue? <laughs> All right. Well, I've written a book, Word Glue, Find Your Million Dollar Brand Name, to help you and those you serve in the restaurant industry or even real estate agents figuring out what to call, sorry, that's the sound of one of the bottles I've named, one of the brands I've named, what to call what you do. And I was actually in a course being uh, facilitated by Seth Godin, who's a marketing genius, and it was called the marketing seminar and each day you respond to a prompt or a lesson and in one of the lessons i wrote a line about word glue and he wrote back that's the name of your book and i was like oh duh so sometimes when you're naming something you're so close to it you're the picture in the frame and you can't see the picture sometimes it takes somebody else helps if it's a genius to go ah hello that's the name that's going to resonate with your audience because that tells a truth so the, the, the truth, so a name is kind of like, it's usually there, but is it, are we shifting the mental paradigm of our brain so we can see it almost? So it's like we're tuning into the frequency of what we're trying to find. It's there, but we're having to make little small adjustments. <laughs> well, you know, if you're the wine, you can't see the label of the wine. So yes, sometimes you need somebody outside of yourself to go, Call yourself ladies who shoot their lunch, which is one of the um, brands that I absolutely adore in Australia, one of the best Shiraz and such a rad name. So um, you want a name that's going to break out, not blend in, and that requires a certain amount of bravery. But it also requires a volume of names. So sometimes you come up with a bunch of names and you can't get the URL or you can't get the trademark. And so you just have to keep coming up with name after name after name after name, which is why I wrote the book Word Glue so people would have all the different methods in their hand. Um, 
but yeah, your folks, if they're naming their restaurant or if they're naming a, a special or if a real estate agent is trying to figure out what the tagline, often they'll work with a copywriter. But um, sometimes what we think is right um, might be right. You got to test it. But sometimes we need somebody else or another way of generating names to help us out. What was the aha moment for you when you realized that you were onto something with coming up with names and helping corporations come up with names? Well, it was actually a really beautiful man who was what's called a pedorthist. So he works with folks who have, look, no, you're giving me that face. <laughs> so if you, uh, if one leg is longer than the other, or if you've got a foot injury, um, if you've got a Morton's aroma or Bunyan's or your, your instep has fallen or any sort of foot issues, maybe you've got one real leg and one not real leg. You know, how, you know, how do you, modify your gait or your shoe wear. So Colin Dombrowski was such a good guy and I'm a former figure skating masters champ and no kidding, I had a foot injury. So my landing foot was problematic. I go to see Colin, I'm in a lot of pain and um, a little more blood than usual. He's like, well, what do you do? And I, and I just said, you know, I help people like you make more money. He's like, how? Well, your name, he was called the TDG group, which meant like, what? He was losing market share to other people who had less qualification. He was about to finish a PhD in the area. He was a complete, like, you know, science nerd. He loved this stuff so much. And these folks who didn't love as much and weren't as dedicated and weren't as disciplined were stealing his market share. So we renamed him Soul Science. Soul, because he's the only one getting a PhD in the area. Science, because he's so nerd and, you know, loves the, the best practices. And his business increased by 130% in 18 months. That was the sign that I went, whoa, a name can completely change somebody's revenue, just a name change. And I did that a couple of times. Well, I keep doing it. I always ask my clients who renamed, because I name and rename, what the difference was and they keep doubling their income. It's like, this is crazy good. So yeah, a name and Shakespeare says, well, what's in a name? Well, now it's there's a lot in a name because it seems that especially on the internet. It's all we have is our name. And so uh, and we like to flaunt that, even if it's like crazy characters that we use to express uh, those avatars that we have a tendency to use online. So um, so essentially, so I went through, there's a master list of, of, of names that you have. They all, it's interesting how you've divided this up too within the book. It's design, designate, dialogue, declare, disrupt, doodle, and delight. Yeah, the seven kinds of uh, naming, for sure. The seven kinds of naming. So what has, in our current, is there a trend that you're seeing in, I guess, in America, or I wouldn't say America, but just in naming in general with all of these corporations and small businesses, is there a, a patterns that you've noticed over your many years of experience when it comes to how, how people are, are, are deciding these names? Well, let's go through the seven so folks know what they are and what they mean. And then I'll tell you what the trends are. So I'm just going to grab my book. You're going to hear some ambient noise. So I just want to make sure that I don't forget any one of the seven steps or the seven kinds. So uh, the first one, actually, you can read them off to me because you've got them right there. So sure. what's the first one you've got? First I have is design. Yeah, design. So that's definitely a big trend. So Rolex, Haagen-Dazs, uh, Airbnb, they're designed names. Well, Airbnb is slightly different, but they're designed names. So, so they take on meaning over time. So they're easy to trademark because they don't exist. 
So you can make up a name and people sometimes are afraid to do that. I had a gorgeous Canadian company, um, a tech company, and they're working with young people who can't figure out what to do in their career, what the next step is. And they were going to call it Becumble. Becumble sounds like you're falling down a set of stairs. Whoa, look out, you're going to Becumble. Um, and so, you know, we named them Inkly, Inkly, which has that nice um, uplifting sound and it's a cheerfully sounding word. It just feels good in the mouth. So the mouthfeel of your word matters. They could trademark it. They could get the .com for like 15 bucks. They've got a gorgeous story and they tested it with young people and, and young people were like, oh, it reminds me of like you Inkly from Finding Nemo. So all the, they test with 250 people, all the associations are positive. So they're good to go. So definitely design is um, a fabulous, fabulous um, methodology. And next we have designate. So designate is a super, super powerful methodology. And once you learn it, you're going to notice it everywhere. And designate is like YouTube, iMac, Lady Gaga, Lord of the Fries, um, Burger King. I don't know which brands you have where you are, but what they do is they designate the one. So when Ken Sakal named the iMac, Steve Jobs didn't like it at first. But it was so brilliant because the I represents I, me, I. But it also represents imagination. YouTube represents you, right? We're all creating content now. So when we refer to a singular entity, we can relate to that. Ladies who shoot their lunch, right? We know what a lady is. We know they don't usually shoot their lunch, so it grabs our attention. <laughs> and that's actually the delight category. So delight is when somebody uses a, a name like Frying Nemo, for a um, fish and chip shop. Um, yeah, I know, but it captures attention. So w delight is the fast track to the brain. It's like naming something the, the baked big bird. I just yeah. totally made that up. But <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but, but, but that, that actually, you're so brilliant. So that's using the alliteration method. Baked big bird is like Coca-Cola, Tim Tams, um, Weight Watchers. They use alliteration, Coca-Cola, because the brain loves alliteration. It loves that sense of wordplay. Is there something within our, that our brains seem to grasp on easier with, with words? Um, obviously, I wouldn't say always, but typically shorter, but you also pointed out in your book that there's also like a, almost like a rhythmic method to it, almost like a science. Oh, there is a science to naming. And uh, there are companies who, higher PhDs and who have faculty members over at Stanford who are linguists. So there's a lot of science that's not released about what letters we associate with what. Like, do we trust Bob more than we trust Jim? Like, do we like B sounds better than J sounds? Um, do we find ST sounds reassuring like Starbucks? Like, there's a whole, and like, Google is a great big open mouth sound versus mm -hmm. like, bit is a small sound. So like, when do you want a big sound? When do you want a small sound? So yeah, you can word nerd out on this. The brain likes rhyme because that's partly how we learn language as children. Yeah, that's like, uh, what is it? Usually jingles do really well. <laughs> it's interesting. We, they, those are word, those are like, earworms so they stay because of the music they stay because of the rhythm they stay because of the rhyme um like taglines that rhyme don't necessarily do better than taglines that don't we think they do um and because people spend so much money in, in driving that into your brain we think that that's the way to go look, most of us don't have the kind of budgets that um an apple or a coca-cola does at two billion billion dollars for marketing so let's say we did design we did mm -hmm. designate we did Dialogue is next. Yeah, so dialogue. So dialogue is so cool. 
dialogue, so um, ladies who lunch is an expression. So dialogue is any sort of um, ways that words are used. It's also language. So, mm-hmm. um, like Microsoft is what's called a portmanteau. So you might have a restaurant that smashes two words together. Um, I can't think of what that might be right off the top of my head, but um, Microsoft brings two different words together. Um, Wikipedia, wiki is a Hawaiian word. Pedia is an ancient Greek word. Um, so you can look at language. You can translate your name into different languages to see if you come up with interesting spellings or interesting sounds. You don't want to appropriate somebody's culture doing that. Some guys in Canada named their beer Hura Hura, which um, ended up referencing, I think, um, uh, a part of the body that you don't necessarily want to associate with your beer. (laughs) You can look that up if you want. So you do have to be very careful when you're naming. And I do have an international naming panel that will check to make sure that the words, especially if it's an invented word, is not something that's going to mean, oops, we shouldn't have called it that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Next, we have Declare. Yeah, so declare is such a cool um, strategy. That's like when you call it uh, Airbnb. So <laughs> Airbnb used to represent that they used air mattresses, right? When those guys started out. But now air, we think of the cloud that we're going online to find a bed and breakfast. So it's a declare. It's saying what it is. Um, by the way, bakery, which is a fabulous bakery in New York. I hope you get to go there sometime. Me too. Um, yeah, um, you know, they're gluten-free, they're dairy-free, they're certified kosher, they're, they make sure nobody's left out of a meal. Mm-hmm. Well, by the way, bakery, that is a descriptive or declare sort of strategy. Um, count me in. Uh, so 7-Eleven is, they, are, they changed. So we think of 7-Eleven as just like, oh, they've always been open forever. Well, they actually change their opening hours to increase their market share at a time where nobody stayed open after business hours. Mm. So, you know, they, they named themselves after what they were. All right, I know where you're going next. There's a there's a place called like I think it's Midnight Cookies. Oh, that's so good. That's a fabulous name. And it's here in uh it's in East Atlanta Village in Georgia in Atlanta. And uh they the East like EAV it's short for East Atlanta Village. It's nothing but like it's like a a an, an city urban um full of like bars small shops they're usually open till about like three or four in the morning so that 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 strategic play to buy that piece of real estate and and essentially put their business in that spot you have a bunch of drunk high people walking around at two o'clock in the morning they're gonna want some cookies (laughs) They are gonna want cookies. They're gonna want cookies. Yeah, hot oatmeal raisin cookies, something chewy like or chocolate chip or yeah, I, I would be like I would be there. I love that. And that is you're describing what you're doing, and that is a fabulous name. Because midnight, it's time. Cookies, we want cookies. Like yeah, it's that's a fantastic name. I could be wrong about the name, but it's, well, look at somebody should grab that because it's so good. I mean, you could also call you could call yourself Midnight Cookies, and you be, could be a consulting firm. So you right. don't when that and that's the other category is disruptive. Mm-hmm. So if you were a marketing company, you called yourself Midnight Cookies. Like nobody's going to forget the name of your marketing company because it's so unexpected in your category. It's like the marketing company. There's a marketing company called um, Thinkerbell, which is actually a play on words. So that's right. that's a dialogue technique because they're taking different elements of words. 
um, but disrupt would be if you called yourself midnight cookies in your marketing firm. Um, disrupt is like Apple when they called themselves Apple in the tech field when it was the time of IBM and Hewlett Packard. That was a disruptive name. Virgin for a media company, an airline company, a phone company, it was completely disruptive. So that's the other category. And I think we got them all. Design, designate, dialogue, declare, disrupt. Well, one, doodle, doodle, doodle is the alliteration. Yeah, so Doodle okay. is like the Coca-Colas, the um, swatch, the watches where they, the, the S of second for second watch smashes together with watch. So they're playing with the letters. IKEA, acronyms, um, or you can add or subtract letters like um, dig or any of those words where you see they've dropped an E or they've dropped, you know, they're just dropping letters so they can get the, either the trademark or their .com. Yeah. It's the, it's the, the various naming schemes that sometimes I do wonder how, how people come up with, with names and how that whole process works and um, just the, how much money that companies put into just figuring out a name and then somebody figures out figures it out in the shower. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you how companies do it. And um, you also asked, which is the most popular method or what trend am I seeing in these naming um, models right now? Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the trends I'm seeing is disrupt. So I named this um, drink, which is, a pro, which is a kombucha, but it's full of probiotics. And I called it belly up. Well, that's a really disruptive name because like belly up, like all the other ones are like, I don't know what the names are, but there's nothing quite as funny and as brave as that in the category and end up getting carried by all the Australian outlets and all. So that was fabulous. But what companies do is they spend up to $150,000 or more to name a product because they know if they get the name right, it's going to spark a story um, like Swiffer, right? That lexicon name Swiffer. Well, it sounds swift. It sounds like sweeping, but it sounds easy. Like the sound is just so fantastic. So um, JetBlue was another company that was um, uh, where somebody got hired to do it and they didn't quite get it all. Um, so half of it was named by the naming agency. Half of it was named by Amy Curtin, who um, was part of JetBlue. And she literally named it just before her in-laws were about to come for dinner. They, they, were, they were going live to launch this new brand and they didn't have a name yet. They only had half the name. They had the they had the jet part, not the blue part, I think, or I can't remember which part they had and what they didn't have. So what, what companies will do is companies like myself or companies like Lexicon. So if you've got $150,000, go to Lexicon. If you have a little less than that, come to me. <laughs> is Just a little less, guys. Just yeah, a just less. a little less, like 149 you're in. <laughs> but, you know, what we do is we figure out who are you for? What's the change that you bring? What feeling do you want people to have when they encounter your, your brand? Um, who are you serving exactly? So, are, you know, are you mostly for moms or, or are, you, um, are you for hip 18 to 28-year-olds or 30-year-olds or whatever? Like, who are you for? And what's going to capture their attention? So there's actually a lot of research that goes on behind because a name is the best insurance you have for long-term success. So we need to know, understand the strategy that you have. We need to understand everything about your brand. And then we have to figure out what name. So we generate like sometimes thousands of names to find one that is trademarkable in the, the countries that you want to be in. And then we test them with the audience to find out what they associate with that name. Um, so yeah, it, it can be save, save four weeks 
for your naming minimum so that you get something that that's really good that's really sticky that's going to work yeah you even you mentioned in your book to name your brand from the mental headspace of someone else yeah that's a fabulous technique so that's called the rent ahead method and um you might have times Kendall, when you're doing work for a client, you're like, I cannot see my way through this project. And so you might imagine that you're um, Branson, or you might imagine that you're George Lois, this design genius. You might imagine that you're Nelson Mandela. Like when you imagine that you're somebody else and you take their headspace for, you know, like eight minutes, you're going to come up with different ideas because you're shifting how you think. You're stepping into their head. Yeah, that's, and I thought that was very interesting because I've heard it. I've heard the term to see something from somebody else's perspective, but you go into, you give names of people. It's like, what would Muhammad Ali say about your brand? What would Richard Branson say about your brand? What would Mahatma Gandhi say about your brand? What would President Clinton say about your brand? And so- Cartney or um, uh, Venus Williams, or like you, pick, you can pick any star or just anybody. What would a three-year-old say about your brand if you're, right. if you're serving toddlers? So what, what would what company out there would you love to like rename? Oh wow, what company would I love to rename? I, actually, I, can't, I don't want to say it out loud because I don't want them to think I don't think they're fabulous on some level. They might hire me one day, so I don't think I'll say that. But I'll tell you a company that I think did a great job. And there's do you do you have the A two milk company where you are? I'm not sure. Okay, so A2 Milk Company has uh, had an 83% increase in their cash reserves in 2020 already. So it's like, what? Now, what does that mean? That means $854 million cash reserve. That's a lot of money for milk. So what they did is they called their company A2, A2 Milk Company, because they've removed one of the proteins that's hard to digest and created a milk that's easier to digest. Well, calling your milk A2 when other milks are like, I don't know, give me the name of a milk company. Like it, milk companies are kind of like whatever, right? It's, it's kind of a bland, literally a bland white category. And they create this thing like A2 that sounds like a mountain, like K2, sounds like a rock band, like U2. Right. Like it's such a brave name and they're killing it because they, they chose a strategic position for their name. A2 milk company. Yeah. I'll keep thinking of like 3M. Like it's some kind of like Band-Aid, but I guess it's the, the Band-Aid for their nutritional vitamin D value. <laughs> yeah, well, beautifully said. Beautifully said. That's funny. Um, so when, uh, so speaking of like brands um, and naming conventions, apparently you mentioned that I read it. You were talking about, like in the book, you were talking about just how these different naming conventions came up. I never knew that Betty Crocker isn't a real person. That's <laughs> no, not good. And you're you're explaining how they uh, essentially a character was made, and of course it it grew and it exploded. But it's not it's not even a real person. It's it's like. Um, Who's that that writer that I'm thinking of that was a, a I think it was a, a woman posing as a man because there was some kind of like laws with like women writers or some kind of rumor with Oh, Jan um a British writer, Jan. Oh gosh, that's a 
the, the, the travel writer, the British travel writer? I'm not sure if she's British. And I can't think of her name right now. But um, we'll, we'll know the minute we end the call. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. So, um, but yes. Yeah, so right, Betty yeah. was a made up name. You're absolutely right. And they chose Betty because it was so American sounding. And people like the B sound, right? There's just something Betty, baby. I could say other B words, but I won't. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, we like that. And so the Betty made us feel familiar and comfortable, like it was a mom we could trust. And then the, the Crocker, that was the name of somebody on the board. Crocker has that solid, strong, it's got all what we call in the word land, it's got plosives. Crocker, you know, it's, it, it's got strength. So yeah, very, very clever made up name. So you have permission, all your people have permissions to make up the names of their, their restaurants or, um, or you know their brands and so you serve let me tell you here, here again you serve realtors and restauranters and what naming dilemmas do you find that they come to you with um i actually haven't explored that with them yet so this will be this is this has given me a whole new perspective on naming and the approaches to names i'm pretty sure they have like like menus and special items and they may need a name. They may find that changing the name of one thing may actually benefit it in the long run or a few things. So uh, that's that will be something I will be able to incorporate, especially into brand strategy. So I am looking forward. And the exercises here, are like, they're quick. They're, like, really quick and really simple. And I was surprised at how easy you've made it. I mean, is. 10 minutes spend 10 minutes it's time with your favorite treat ready as a reward you've earned it <laughs> well my master's degree is in adult education i've had training at harvard thinking routines and i work with a lot of really busy executives the first executive i worked for was my mother she ran a whole bunch of different companies at a time when women didn't run companies so i get it i get the breed i'm bilingual i speak executive and i speak english so I know all these serial entrepreneurs are so busy that I had to create something they could dip into and then get out of, that they, I would give them the strategy and they could generate names as quickly as possible. Because honestly, they're, they're doing, everybody is doing the best they can to try and make the world a better place by making better things. So they need a name well and said. I wanted to help them get, them get that name as quickly as possible and hopefully as painlessly as possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, so that's that's like one of many things that I found, and you can just flip through it, you flip through it, and then you have these little nuggets of uh, contextual messages within certain names. How long did it take you to write this? Three years. <laughs> How do you say it like that? Three years. Well, because you know, I thought it was going to be easy. It's like mm -hmm. okay, there's not that many books on naming in the world. And uh, I thought, okay, I, I can do it. And, and I went away for a weekend with some girlfriends and we locked ourselves in different rooms and we were all working on our books. And you know, I actually finished the first draft of it fairly quickly um, and released it, started it in February of 2017 and released the first version under a different name that June at a, at a book launch. <laughs> so if you wanna get your book done on time, invite people to a book launch, that's my advice. But then what I realized is there was more I wanted to say. And so then I spent the next couple of years just looking at some of the research and making sure that I got every singing, single nanny method in the world in the book, but yet made it easy, right? And so it's won four awards now, this book. 
candle i think even more than when we talked before and it's up for two more because it's such an unusual approach that it is like here's what you need to know here are the questions i need to answer about your brand now here's how you can name storm and there's no other book like that so um it, it the whole thing has kind of blown me away and it's also given me an opportunity to work with some amazing people who are doing great work so i've had a chance to work with some international organizations who are transforming education around the world and um that's been incredibly humbling and there's a really cool brand that i can't tell you about until october 14th when they go live but they it's michael and tina ellis and they started a, a sock company a sock and underwear company by subscription and they started collecting all the textiles so when the socks started to wear out or the underwear you know the elastic band didn't work and they were down by your knees they would take those old clothes and start recycling or upcycling the textiles so they needed a new name for their textile company. And on October 14th, I can tell you what it is because it is so fabulous and it's going to get them attention around the world. So the book has let me meet good people like you and let me do naming projects for folks who really are game changers. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Louise. There's, uh, it's absolutely brilliant. I'm glad that we got a chance to like to meet and connect and that we met and I, I can't I'll remember I think it was someone mentioned your book on Twitter Blair Ann's oh my yeah. gosh he, he did a shout out and I was just like why am I getting all these orders all of a sudden like ping, 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 ping. what's going on like my, you know my book is a secret right it's not on Amazon and that's intentional like I I just share it with people I you know you know that I follow up if you buy the book if I'm able to I, I give you a call I say thank you like this is a very personal thing for me. I, I care about the people who are doing projects that matter. I want a good name. So when Blair did that, all of a sudden people like you and other people around the world were like, okay, Blair, I'm on it. Chris Doe bought it. I was like, oh my God, I was like, holy cow. So it really is, was a moment. And, and, and Blair is an amazing guy. So folks, if you don't know Blair's work and you're on an agency, he, he's written a book called Win Without Pitching. And he is just, he's the marketer's marketer. He's a really good guy. Also a Canadian, Kendall, like me, also a Canadian. So I was, yeah, I was really humbled by um, his his uh, shout out. It, yeah, and it just, it radiated out. And now it's just like, all right, let me let me see what this is about. And I was actually in that, in that, somewhat in that mental space where I was like, okay, how can I add more value during my strategy sessions? And then when I saw naming, I was like, okay, well, naming sounds good. I, that'd be something I can introduce to help, you know, companies come up with names. And uh, and then went to the site, and it, it took less than a, a few minutes, and I was just like, you know what, I'm sold. And then I got the bundle, and I thought it was going to be like, okay, a book coming in a box. Oh, no, 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 that's not how <laughs> Louise rolls. She gives you the, the red carpet treatment. And so it was a, a full, I think I took a picture of it and posted it on my LinkedIn. Yeah. Cause I was like, it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's way more than I had expected. So that definitely left an impression. Oh, well, that's what you need to do as people, right? But life is can be hard. And there's so many moments that are difficult for folks right now. And you know, you know we rescheduled this cause we had a COVID death on our street. And like life can be hard. And so adding a moment of joy, that's where I wore sequence for the call, big guy. It was like, you know, we've got to find joy. We've got to be the light in the darkness for other people in, in little and big and small ways. So I want to talk about your restaurateurs. So what your restaurateurs can do is they can have, they can play with their menu. So they might have a dessert called the orgasm 
or they might have a special meal called um, the the proposal. You know, the proposal, right? So you can figure out what what do you want to call things. I can't believe I said orgasm on this call, but anyway, twice, <laughs> twice. Three. Well, if I say it again, we're 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 quite for three feet. <laughs> so you know what you call your different menus matters. And even if they have a bunch of, if they have a wine list and they have a really, really expensive wine on it, uh, because it's a fabulous wine, not because they're being jerks. So if they have really expensive wine and then, you know, a, a whole list of different wines, just even having that range of price choice means that people are more likely to choose the middle wine. So having, um, you know, a, fee, a prefix menu item, of a prefix choice that's really expensive, well, people will see, oh, it's this kind of restaurant at this kind of price. Well, I'm going to pick either the middle or I'm going to pick that because it's a special occasion. So playing with pricing, playing with naming nights, special nights of the restaurant or special menu choices or, um, you know, the proposal picnic uh, program, like they can come up with, especially now, different ways to delight. If you can delight your people and serve them by adding value, just like you're figuring out now, that's going to help your realtors and your realtors, your, your restaurant folks. And in terms of your realtors, for them, um, you know, and I included in the book in the Q12, there's such important strategic questions in that Q12 that you can use in your strategy sessions with your clients. But for the realtors, for them, it's like, who is this house perfect for? That's such an important strategy question for them. And when they write the copy, you know, they'll always write, you know, city glimpses or two minutes from the train station or uh, great schools nearby. Um, but if, you know, if they're writing, if it's a house that's perfect for a creative because there's a studio or if it's a house that's perfect for a family, you know, the, catering the, the language and the taglines to speak to the niche that they want to serve will help them pop out. So you all heard it first. <laughs> from the expert of naming. So take it and run with it and you will get results, guaranteed. Connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Louise Karsh, K-A-R-C-H, but please add a note on LinkedIn because you know you get all these people, oh, I saw your profile. So let me know, hey, I heard you on Candle and I'd love to connect. Um, and you're about to tell folks where they can get the book. So I will, I will pass over to you. You can all find the book at www.wordglue.co. Yeah, she's got quotes from Seth Godin, Wayne Moritzstein, Rachel O'Mara, and Stephen Aldrich, and Jane Karch. That will be my mom. <laughs> he said, why are you giving away all your secrets? And she, yeah, that was a very good comment, mom. Because when I, when I saw all the book go out to all the marketing companies when Blair ends, I was like, oh my gosh, I've just given all the competitors around the world my secret weapons. And then a friend of mine said, Louise, if you're a chef and you give out the recipes, doesn't mean people could cook the meal that you can cook. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. The, that's probably the, the, the greatest disarmament, disarmament that you can do to someone else is to take away all their weapons. By like, I've recently started putting myself on the table, like just boof. There's like everything just dumping because I'm like, well, I'm not the only one who's gone through this, and I might be the only one be expressing it, but I know I'm not the only one who's gone through this. And so someone might hear it, you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the line, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not the only one. 
who's been through this. And I'm trying to provide solutions. So if I can just find all the secrets and just dump them all on the table, then at that point, I mean, someone else is going to take it. And then they'll start dumping all of their secrets on the table. There is no, there are no such things as secrets anymore. Like the lid, the lid has been exposed. Uh, yeah. So um, the, the, the gig is up. Like we already, everyone already knows. So. And you, your position, what you've decided to be is a generous leader. And by being a generous leader, you build trust and building trust in the attention economy is what matters. So I agree that when you choose to be infinitely generous, people will see the spirit with which you're doing your work. So I am with you on that. I think that's the way to go. And that's the, that's a ch the choice that I made. It's like I could be generous or I could hold things back. And even though it was a bit scary, to be really generous, um, it's resulted in working with people who appreciate that way of being in the world. Yeah, I mean, good good minds think alike, like minds, like I think, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Good-hearted people, good minds, yeah. It's a posture uh, of generosity, which is a strategic decision and um, means that you're living a life that's going to leave a legacy. Have you noticed that people online more are becoming much more comfortable with 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 being themselves much, much more comfortable um, with being themselves online. And um, especially when they get around other people that hold themselves to a higher standard, then you kind of pick up on that. And the internet has provided that access for us. And so it's, it's a great every now and then when I see little small changes, we're, granted we're still human, but, um, this being around certain people kind of helps raise that awareness because you have to raise your standard just to keep up with the, the group. But um, it still is can be definitely transformative if used the right way. Yes, 100%. And I think that what we have is a truth. Every generation gets smarter from an IQ perspective. That's the truth. But it's EQ that matters now. So while we have trolls being anonymous, harassing people in the darkness of the web, right? The people who are, and by that I mean, they're choosing to be malicious, they're choosing to be mean. You know, they're hurt people hurting people. There's also the antidote to that, and that's you and me being generous, um, leading with authenticity, thanks to folks like Brene Brown, who've let us know that being real, being vulnerable about what the struggle is and what the successes are means that people can, it's not like, look at me, look at my life, it's perfect. Be like me. It's like, no, <laughs> I have good days and bad days, but these are the habits that I keep trying to live. And this is the posture of generosity that I lead with. And that, you're right, it calls us all to a higher standard. So, Luis, what would you tell, if you could go back in time and tell your 10-year-olds, your your 14 year old self, one important thing, what would you tell her? I'd tell her to spend more time with her dad. I mean, that, that gets really, I mean, obviously at 14, oh gosh, poor girls at 14, that's such a hard time. But you know, my father died young and he was such a beautiful man. And I, and, you know, when you talk about what happens when you got my book, that's my dad, right? He, he loved people. He loved making people feel loved. So I keep him alive in that way. So I would spend more time with my dad. And it, it, what I'd tell my 14 year, year old self is, cause I was all into achievement, right? I was an athlete and I 
just try to always be like, look at me, look what I've done. Um, and now I'm more subtle. It's like, what legacy can I leave? It's a profoundly different question. And because I'm in lockdown in Australia, I can't go more than five kilometers. Like I, I can't go more than five kilometers as a curfew. Well, usually I go home for August and spend it with my mom who's in her eighties, who's also amazing. So I would say to my 14 year old self is it's relationships that matter. And if you want to be a millionaire, help a million people. Um, it's not even about being a millionaire. It's like, Kendall, there's a park down my street, which I put a grant in for. Mm -hmm. And um, it just got like a $350,000 refurbishment because of this grant that I did. And the kids were playing there yesterday. Uh, the first time the kids could play in a playground because um, our, our lockdown has changed one level. Seeing those kids play, like I can do naming. I can do naming and I love it. But that's also giving me the life where I've got time so I can put these grants in and make a difference in my community where people can have moments that matter. So my 14-year-old self <laughs> spend more time on relationships than achievement. And um, I would tell my 14-year-old self, settle, pedal, focus on relationships. The achievement will take care of itself. Settle, pedal. Yeah, settle, pedal, like the petal of a flower. Settle, right. pedal. Yeah. Settle, pedal. That's, I like that. Like lake, ripples, water. Yeah. Thank you. I really enjoyed Thank this. Thank you. <laughs> on all the best to all your folks. And you're very lucky to have Kendall in your life. He's a good man. And he thinks deeply about work that matters. So you're in good hands with Kendall. So Louise Karch, buy her book, Word Glue. Yeah, definitely, definitely download the book. Um, this is fantastic. And support Louise and her work and the great work that she's doing around the world. Word Glue, find your million dollar brand name. And thank you for listening. Luis, thank you for being a guest on the show. You're welcome. And I would say it's not available as a download. It's printed locally. I know the family that makes it. Um, it's, a, it's a book you write in on purpose because it's better for your brain. Um, so there's lots of research on that, but I won't word out. So it's not a downloadable book. You actually have to buy it and use it um, over time. So This is an artifact. You. It's an artifact. <laughs> it is a... It is an award-winning uh, labor of love that helps you get noticed above the noise. All right, big guy. Thank you for this time. Thank you for all the work that you do in the world. Ciao. If you like this episode, please subscribe. And don't forget to like and share the content. And always remember, the light at the end of the tunnel may be you.